Hey guys, I'm Pete. And I'm Alex. And you're listening to the Kick Push Pivot Podcast. I'm a former Fortune 500 consultant dedicated to the idea of innovation and growth. And I used to manage marketing tours for the Rolling Stones, focused on creating one-of-a-kind customer experiences. On this podcast, we interview people faced with the decision to kickstart innovation, push through doubt, or pivot to something new. We hope you find something inspiring or encouraging as you listen. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Kick, Push, Pivot, uh, our healthcare podcast. We're in season two here, and we have a great set of guests today. Uh, But before we jump into introducing them, uh, my co-host, Alex, how are you doing today? How's it going? We are just jamming through these things. Yeah. And then in today's episode, we actually have two guests I'm really excited to introduce to uh, our audience. We have Kanwar and Jay from Shingle. They're co-founders of a very interesting startup we're going to hear about today. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you for having us. Right we're on cue. Well, See, that's, our, that's how well we're synced up. <laughs> I know it was almost simultaneous. I can't wait yeah. to see see what happens when you guys put on some bathrobes. There's some stories going around that that's, uh, that's a key there's, a key there's part a of your uh, yeah of your founder story. There's the there's that. So uh, we won't we won't uh, belabor the audience, but we'll save that for later on. But uh, before as we get started, I'd love to hear just you know a short and sweet kind of elevator pitch of what is shingle and um, why is it so important. Sure. So we built Shingle to help physicians start, manage, and grow their own private practices. And uh, so, right. Yeah. So basically what we're trying to do is, is help um, uh, independent physicians go back into private practice. So over the last 20 years, we've seen a kind of an exodus from private practice and folks consolidating into employed positions, working either for hospital systems, um, larger corporations, uh, HMOs, managed care organizations, and we're trying to um, reverse that trend, and we're trying to um, re- reintroduce physicians to the joy that they can have through autonomy and practicing uh, uh, on their own and having their own private practice, basically restoring the centrality of that doctor-patient relationship. And uh, the name Shingle uh, comes from go out and hang your own shingle. So that's that's where we got the inspiration for the name. And you know, a hundred years ago, when you would finish your training, if there was any training. Um, you would get your certificate or you would be an apprentice and then you would go out and hang your own shingle. So that's kind of what we want to get back to is, is making it as simple as going out and hanging your own shingle when you start your private practice. I like that. Me too. Why is it important to get back to private practice was, I mean, I could just assume the benefit is just that more, uh, closer relationship, doctor to patient, things like that. But is there anything else uh, above that? Yeah, it, I think there's been a sea tide in, um, you know, change in, in what's happened with the delivery of medicine over the last two to three decades, even going back further. Um, basically, as, as things have changed, as as the business of medicine has changed, uh, there's been a disassociation of that true doctor-patient relationship, which has led to a lot of frustration on physicians' parts. Um, it's led to a lot of burnout. It's led to high levels of depersonalization. It's left a, left a lot of uh, bitter feelings and resentment in terms of employment opportunities and, and career satisfaction. Um, and that's only gotten worse during COVID. So we're trying to stem that tide and, and try to um, help doctors get back control over their practices. There was an yeah. interesting stat I saw in the last couple months. There are now more healthcare administrators uh, than there are actual physicians 
as part of the healthcare system. Yeah, more healthcare administrators, more people on the business end than actual physicians. And if you talk to physicians, and this is probably an experience that all of us have had as patients, um, you only see the physician for a couple of minutes. They're just so highly scheduled. They only have a few minutes to actually spend with any given patient uh, before they have to move on to the next and the next and the next. That's because on the corporate side, they're looking to maximize the efficiency. Mm -hmm. And I put quotes around that um, in the delivery of medicine. And that means taking away from the patient uh, physician relationship. Um, And that leads to, you know, worse outcomes for patients and for the physicians. Yeah. You're also probably, I mean, making more money for the physician as well, right? You would think that this bigger company, this bigger corporation would be generating so much more revenue, but once you have to piece it out to all these different people, it's probably cutting out a lot of their profit, right? That's exactly right. You add layers of complexity to the delivery of care. You add um, more layers of, of folks that are involved in the delivery of care, and, and you, you, you really lose that relationship, and you end up adding on cost uh, through every part of that process. So what we're hearing from a lot of our physician partners is um, they don't want to be throughput-based, basically. They don't want to be judged by the number of patients they see in a day. They'd rather take the time and deliver high-quality care, see fewer patients, spend more time with those patients, have lower overhead, less to worry about, less expenses to worry about, not have to support a giant health system, and instead just take the time and, and spend the money on seeing patients and make sure that the, the money is being spent on on the actual care of the patients. They want to go back to being doctors, <laughs> effectively. Right. It's, it's, and, it's that simple. Yep. Yeah, we've seen a lot of, uh, on this show, we've seen a lot of people talking about the changes in healthcare through the pandemic and technology, um, the complexity, there's also a lot of uh, consolidation on the merger and acquisition side of things with people joining large healthcare systems and getting sucked into the larger machine like you're talking about. So the idea of shingles sounds like it's something that's much needed out there. Yeah. And, you know, just from a, a very personal, uh, you know, the personal side of things and, and how we came here, um, I, I went into an employed position right out of residency and I I've still work there off and on throughout. Um, I, I was fortunate. I ended up in a place where I really bonded with the community. I like the like the hospital, and I, I ended up liking the administration. But even there, in a situation that I thought was great, after a few years, I realized, wait a minute, this isn't really what I envisioned myself doing for the next 20, 30 years. This isn't how I envisioned myself delivering healthcare. Um, so I, I went I went to private practice. I, w- I found a practice from a retiring doc that wanted to hand over his patient list and hand over his uh, his 30 year old practice to somebody that was going to take great care of his, his patients. And I, I ended up down the private practice route. And then before you know it, um, I took over another practice and another practice and then another practice. And, and my friends started coming to me and asking me how this was happening, how I was doing it and what the process was for starting a private practice. So Shingle actually started with a three-page document, a three- or four-page document uh, that basically outlined all the steps that you needed, basic steps to start a private practice. And I was just handing that out to my friends and helping them get started in private practice. And then the conversation started of, uh, you know, XYZ hates their job at big box medical corporation, right? Um, We have a few of those here in California. uh, Mm -hmm. And they're desperately trying to get out. And um, as folks came to us from their employed positions, um, it it just, we realized very quickly, I realized very quickly that this is a massive problem. It's not just my friends and family that want to get out of their jobs. It's their friends and family. It's everyone. There's There's a level of desperation and a level of burnout that's very real that's only gotten worse in the last two years because of the pandemic. Yeah. 
Yeah. So your, your background, uh, Kenwar, uh, as a co-founder, so you're on the medical side and my understanding is you also have a couple other initials after your name as well. Yeah, I definitely uh, wanted to rack up that student debt as, as, as high as I could. So well I, I, I added on, yeah, I added on a law degree. There's a master's in there somewhere. Uh, you know, and so I, I, I did, I did go through the entire gamut of higher education. So I, I guess I get to be a startup in myself because I get to be medical and legal. And that's, we got Jay with the MBA. So it, it, we've kind of got all our bases covered, medical, legal, and, uh, and the business strategy. Yeah. Jay, you come from a completely different background than Kenwar, which I think is always interesting, these founder stories. Yeah. Um, can you share your background a little bit? Yeah. You know, when I graduated college, I found myself working in commercial real estate. Um, I always had an entrepreneurial drive, though, um, and I always wanted to get into tech. So it was after my MBA, uh, really a, a funny story. Um, during business school, we advise a we have a capstone project where we were advising a foreign company. This was a, a Finnish-based user experience design agency on their U.S. market uh, entry strategy. Um, one thing led to another and ended up joining them uh, and helping to launch their um, U.S.-based uh, presence. And that's really what kicked me off on the, the startup scene. From there, I went uh, with a friend of mine and helped uh, lead a daily fantasy sports website that did not survive. And then um, when wait, 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 to- which one was it? I have to stop you right there. <laughs> it, it's not one that survived. It's not one that survived. It's called Draftster. And okay. uh, lo- lots of good lessons learned from that experience. Um, the key one being make sure you get a product market fit um, before you try <laughs> to scale. Um, but from there, I jumped into another startup that was focused on actually serving the commercial real estate uh, industry, business intelligence tools and analytics uh, before I landed on my last startup, which was actually helping real estate agents launch uh, and grow their own uh, boutique brokerages. So we were able to pull from a lot of that um, wow. into uh, Shingle. Okay. That's so awesome. uh, yeah. how did you guys get connected? Two different worlds so, coming together. Yeah. Our, our story actually goes back way further than, than yeah. our, uh, our ridiculous uh, journey through higher education. It, it goes back all the way to undergrad at Cal 20 years ago. Go Bears. Uh, Bears. We, Bears. We, we met yeah, exactly. We uh, we met at Cal, and uh, we've been friends ever since. So we, we kind of went on our own journeys. I went to med school, law school. Jay ended up uh, going into getting his MBA. Uh, but we were both serial entrepreneurs. We've both been bouncing ideas off of each other for two decades now. I, at one point, almost left medicine to start a brewery. Um, and then from wow. there, I yeah. I, I, so we've, we've had the right ideas, just the wrong execution and timing in the past. Um, we, we should have just stuck with the brewery and, 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 uh, and daily fantasy sports things. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, then I started a, a, a website blog for uh, physician burnout, ironically enough, six years ago. Um, and, uh, we, we've been bouncing ideas back and forth. And, and then when Jay finally ended up at, at his, uh, his last role, his current role, um, uh, we, we were talking to each other and he's like, Jay, you're, you're basically doing what I'm doing, but at scale for real estate brokers. Um, and I'm helping my buddies. Uh, it's it, basically what you should do is is come and 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 join up together, and we should do this for physicians. And we we started joking about it, and uh, lo and behold, it, it starts off as a bad joke. I think um, a doctor, a, a serial entrepreneur, and a venture capitalist all go out to dinner in San Francisco. We were at a sushi restaurant <laughs> over the summer during one of these lulls between COVID surges. I I, my, I think I had just had my 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 firstborn. Um, That's right. See behind me. 
Um, and uh, Jay wanted to meet up with me and congratulate me and meet me because he hadn't seen me since I had the kid. And he's like, hey, listen, I'm, I'm meeting up with a friend of mine who works at a venture um, firm here in San Francisco. And uh, we all sit down, we all start chatting and we all start talking ideas. And we're joking about joining together and doing what he's been doing for real estate brokers for physicians. And the venture capital guy looks at us, he's like, wait a minute, that's a really good idea. You should do that. And we look at each other and we're like, wait a minute, you mean the two of us after 20 years of going back and forth and, uh, and joking about these things actually have stumbled upon a really good idea? Huh, light bulb wow. moment. And that's, yeah. that's kind of how this started. <laughs> you just needed someone with, uh, with experience, with crazy ideas who also had money to make it, to make it happen. Exactly. So. That's exactly right. And, and it was the validation there. I was like, oh, wait, maybe this is a good idea. He, he bets on big companies all the time. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is probably the way to go. <laughs> well, it's funny too, because whether it's beer or fantasy sports or healthcare or real estate, you guys all are, you had the entrepreneurial mindset um, going into all of it and where you spotted a need and then you grew something based on that need, which mm -hmm. is something that we see very often on this podcast with entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly right, right? And, it, and, and in this case, I sort of stumbled upon it. We, I've stumbled upon the need just through my own personal experiences and the experiences of the people around me. Mm -hmm. um, and I, 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 realized, I didn't realize it at first, but I, I had stumbled into a business opportunity and I had stumbled into something that I think could be transformative for medicine. Um, you know, restoring that, that power and autonomy to physicians, um, or the power to set their own schedule that that's meaningful. And that, that really moves the needle. Um, so one of the reasons I did the law degree in addition to the medical degree was an interest in health policy and politics. So I spent years and years going to lobby day events, being active in national societies and, um, and trying to ensure to get change through, through policy and through lobbying and being active in professional societies. Um, and after a while, I realized, wait a minute, th this is this is great, and this is very necessary. But the real way to move the needle is through technology and innovation and entrepreneurship. And that's right. kind of how I ended up down this 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 separate path. Yeah. So merging technology and the private practice by combining to get all the elements of business reminds me of a good dad joke. Here we go. <laughs> so a uh, a, t a technology coder went to see a doctor, and he told the doctor, Doc. I'm addicted to Twitter. The doctor looked at him confused. He said, I'm sorry, I don't follow. Uh, <laughs> like, I hit the like button like. on that one. Hit the like button. There you go. Reshare. Retweet, retweet, retweet. Retweet, retweet, retweet. That's right. So it's interesting. So along the way, I mean, Shingle is pretty new. I mean, it's a new idea. You have this conversation with the VC over drinks and sushi. And now you guys are doing it. Tell us where you're at now in the journey. It, it, it's been an interesting one. I feel like every day we've got some kind of pivot or obstacle that we're overcoming. Um, you know, it, as, nice. as we, as, as we've, yeah, there you go. A little reference back <laughs> to the title. Um, as we've kind of built this thing out, you know, it, it's exciting, especially when you get that validation right up front, when you have somebody that's in the industry telling you, this is a good idea. This is a fundable idea. Um, you, you've almost got to hold yourself back at that point and say, Hey, before we get to evaluation and before we get to, um, you know, is this a profitable business? How can we make this something that's going to make money? Uh, you got to build a good business, right? And that's mm -hmm. that's something that we, we quickly realized is we you've got to build a good business. You've got to build a good product. You've got to build something that people need and want and are going to be very satisfied with, right? So we had to change our mindset coming out of that. So yeah, it's huge. It's very nice to have that validation up front. It's very nice to, to have 
that kind of um, praise of your idea and and to be told that yeah this is something that could potentially work but then you've got to actually make it work and that's where the the, the actual the, the struggles come in the obstacles come in and as we're building this out we, we have to take a step back and say hey well while this might be easier for us to do it this way it may be more profitable to do it this way that's not what doctors want and we have to think about our clients first we have to think about yeah, servicing our right. clients and we have to make it easy for them um, and it, as long as you kind of have that mindset I think things go a lot smoother so it may not be the fastest best way to launch a highly profitable multi-bazillion dollar business but it's the right way to do it right yeah. So right now you guys are building the, the MVP and kind of uh, right. validating the market our, space. That's right. We have our first practices actually launching this month. So we've spent the last call it four to six months uh, nice. building out these practices and uh, a combination. We have brick and mortar and we also have uh, virtual telehealth practices as well. That was one of the big learnings for us. Originally, we were going into this thinking, okay, we're going to start um, brick and mortar practices. That's what Kenwar had experience with. That's what I had personal experience with going to see my doctor. We realized we're actually uh, just like with, you know, work from anywhere uh, in the, the corporate world. Same thing with physicians. This is now the pandemic is really accelerated change. Um, you know, we had telehealth uh, prior to the pandemic, but I think the pandemic is now um, really helped people recognize that this is the future of medicine. Um, so uh, we've been racing to help our first uh, partners launch their um, virtual practices, uh, starting wow. in California and then expanding out to all 50 states. Amazing. Yeah. And that, that was actually a major pivot point for us. You know, when we went into this, we we're like, oh, yeah, building practices. I know how to do that. You go and rent a space, you hire some people and you do all the legal checks and you check all the boxes on the legal compliance and, and you put up a practice. No big deal. Um, and then you know, we would we started talking to friends, family, people that had interest in starting their own practices. And after a while of asking the same questions, we realized we were asking the wrong questions. We were asking whether they wanted a brick and mortar practice. We weren't asking if they wanted something else. So once we when we circled back with them, they're very happy to start a brick and mortar practice because that's what they knew. But when we offered them more, we said, hey, would you like to have a hybrid position where you can do telemedicine slash brick and mortar? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. You mean I can work from home a day or two a week and um, lessen the burden of childcare and take care of my kids and be around my family more? Yeah, I would like to do that. Mm. And then we talk. And the more we talk to folks, they're like, actually, I would just want to do telemedicine only. Is there a way that I can do that and have my own platform? They're like, that's a possibility. We can do that. Um, so we had to kind of go back and, and rethink this and say, hey, we're not just building brick and mortar. We're not servicing the practice model of yesterday. Uh, we're servicing the practice model of the future. And while you know adoption is is probably going to be you know take some time, it's going to take a few years. It's happened rapidly. COVID shifted that needle quite a bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, we, and that we've really got to do that. We uh, that's what our physician partners want. They want to have that hybrid work practice. They want that hybrid work model. And the other thing they want um, that you know we we we're trying to provide for them is increasing their catchment area. So while you may be a, a highly skilled specialist in let's call it left ear surgery. Um, right in in the Bay Area of California, you may want to have patients from all over the country and world that want to come find you to do left ear surgery because you're the expert in left ear surgery. Um, so why don't you market your skills across the country? And the reason is because there's a lot of legal ramifications and problems with that, right? You can't practice across state lines. You don't have the platform that enables you to find patients in, in other states. Um, so we're, we're working on the solution that helps physicians do that. So you'll be able to increase your catchment radius. You'll be able to take your your practice 
from your hometown to to hometowns to other towns across the country. And I think Amazing. that's going to be the real the real change that we're driving here is is it yeah if you want your local hometown practice where you know your patients and your brick and mortar absolutely we can do that for you. But if you want more and you want to go across the country and you want to see patients from all over and you want to really build your brand and presence and be highly specialized in whatever it is that you enjoy doing, that's possible. You don't have to be stuck doing things that you don't want to do if you're really good and really interested in one thing that you can potentially deliver nationwide. Yeah, I think there's also a ton of benefit for patients um, in this new telehealth virtual world. I'll be honest, I never go see the doctor. And it's because, oh, I have to book an appointment, I have to take a day off from work, I have to drive across town. It's just very inconvenient. So my wife always tells me, like, you're sick or you have something going on, why don't you see the doctor? I'm like, ah, I'll go on WebMD and I'll figure it out for myself. Um, and now that uh, <laughs> that's, that's a nightmare. Ex- yeah, exactly, exactly. It turns out I have cancer, obviously, whenever you go yeah, on WebMD. Like, oh, no, no, it's worse than I thought. Everything's cancer. It doesn't matter cancer. what it is, it's cancer. It's cancer. It's worse. But, uh, worse than I yeah. thought. But that's the beautiful thing about this new reality. Now I'd be able to connect with an actual specialist if I have an actual rare disease. Uh, but regardless, now it's on my terms. I can just go log on and when it's convenient and actually see my doctor without having to go spend an hour driving to their office and waiting in uh, the waiting room and uh, having to take time off from work. Yeah, yeah, it's funny you say that because um, I've had to do that a couple times during COVID. Mm-hmm. My my daughter got a staph infection on her hand and it was looking kind of gnarly and we didn't want to go in because it's the height of COVID. So we actually right. just jumped on you know, one of the virtual care platforms that are available through our, our provide our payer and, uh, did a, a 30 minute consult. They, uh, were pretty quickly able to diagnose. It was, you know, s- some sort of staph infection. They prescribed antibiotics. They sent it to the local pharmacy. The only thing we did was he drove after the appointment to the pharmacy to pick up the antibiotics. And that was it. It probably saved us an hour or two. Plus it was much faster, honestly, so much quicker. It's just so much more convenient for everyone, right? Yeah. Not only is the convenience is there that convenience factor and the immediate availability of folks to help take care of your problems, um, but you know beyond that, how many times have you talked to a family member or a friend who saw their specialist in their town didn't like what they heard or weren't able to get the solutions right. or they, the, the answers that they needed? They right. want a second opinion, but there is no one for hundreds of miles in any direction, right? So. There's the convenience, and, and then there's also the, the specialized knowledge and the, and the seeking out that specialized knowledge and seeking out second opinions, um, and 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 getting that you know additional care. And and that's where this can be really powerful. Is you may not have the specialist for your very specific condition anywhere near you, but they could just be uh, you know a phone call, a telemedicine consult away, right? Mm. So. And that's what we're really excited about is launching these uh, virtual practices that are really focused on um, specialties. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, if you live in anywhere in America, really, you might not be able to find a specialist, you know, for hundreds of miles, like Kenworth said, um, and uh, you're going untreated or you're working with someone who doesn't actually have the experience with your specific condition. Um, so we're looking to establish these um, specialty care practices um, and not have doctors be relegated to the fact, well, you know, I need people to come and visit me in my office. Now mm-hmm. you're able to branch out and uh, see patients from across your state. And as we build this out, hopefully across the country. So I have a question for Jay that I think is going to be interesting for our viewers, our listeners. 
what how was it transitioning into the healthcare space from other spaces i i would assume that would have to be kind of difficult you know there's a lot of lingo to learn and it's funny there's some things that you just hear and it just kind of you shake your head like you guys still use faxes you need a fax <laughs> machine to operate a medical practice why but the biggest takeaway for me is actually the problems that physicians face are the business problems that physician faces are no different than the problems any other local small business owner will have. It's going to be about staffing. It'll be marketing. It'll be about um, making sure they have the proper technology um, and leveraging that. So a lot of the actual pain points that physicians have, and we've spoken to lots and lots of physicians, it doesn't matter if you're a physician, if you're a real estate agent, or you're selling widgets down the street, Uh, A lot of the pain points are actually identical. And that was the biggest takeaway for me, that it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're providing medical services or selling real estate, you know, when it comes to actually growing your business and managing your business, it's the same problems, staffing, technology, marketing, um, focusing on your P&L and optimizing that, actually having a strategy in place. Um, So that was one of the big takeaways for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the one difference might be legal. We'll, We'll throw legal onto that list. Medicine is highly, highly regulated, and the practice of medicine is, is highly regulated. So having that legal background yeah. and that knowledge of how to navigate it, that is important. Um, so yeah. I, uh, I think that may be the one differentiator. But at the end of yeah. the day, you're still running a business, and you still got to make – you got to you know, you gotta balance your budget at the end of the day. So that, that's kind of where we were able to meld all of these different features into one. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So um, you're building your MVP. You've got a couple practices that are engaged in, in using Shingle. What's next? What does the next six to 12 months look like for you guys? Yeah, we have three practices going live this month. We have uh, another uh, three or four on deck for the next two to three months. And um, by this summer, we are knock on wood, hoping to be able to go 50 states. So what we're hoping to do is be able to build out our virtual platform to be able to go 50 states, take our practices 50 states. We're starting in California, um, but then we're going to expand out from there. Um, So that's on our roadmap is being able to build out our platform. We're also building our, our technology platform that integrates the entire practice um, uh, operation from A to Z, from uh, getting your, incor- your your from starting your from selecting your name, getting your corporation paperwork done, getting your tax ID, all the way through opening day. Uh, we're we're trying to virtualize and automate parts of that process to speed it up significantly. Uh, just in the time that I've been doing this in the last two to three years, I mean, we we went from a minimum of three months to get uh, an insurance contract and get it going with one insurance company, uh, really up to nine to 12 months to get going on a practice. Um, so looking at a year to get fully functional, we're down to, we did our last one in about 45 days. So okay. uh, yeah, we're, we're getting faster and faster at this, uh, mostly because we're, 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 we're looking at this from, um, from a business standpoint and also legal standpoint of how to, how to solve some of these legal complexities that really slow down the startup of, of a practice. Wow. So that, that's, that's the biggest hurdle right now is if physician goes and pops onto Google and says, how do I start my private practice? And they start going this, down this rabbit hole of legal um, issues that they've got to get through and, and boxes that they have to check. And then they have to negotiate with the insurance companies to credential and sure. contract. Right. It, it can take it can take forever. It can take up to 18 months in some cases. I mean, I mean hopefully it won't take that long for, for most physicians, but it takes a minimum of three to six months, and that's just too long. It's too long to get your business started, and we're 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 hoping that with technology automation and a firm understanding of the legal complexities, we can get that down to you know six to eight weeks, somewhere in that range, that's maybe incredible. even shorter. Yeah. Wow, 
That is something special. Well, as we wrap up the show today, you guys have an incredible background. Love the story of how you guys got together uh, over sushi uh, with your uh, with your funding partners. And any knowledge, any knowledge or nuggets you guys can drop for the audience on what it's like to start a healthcare entrepreneurship experience. Anything you maybe wish you didn't do, or maybe wish you did do. I'll, I'll get started. For, for me, it's always optimize on what's best for your client, right? Always optimize what's best um, for the physician and the patient, right? Don't optimize on, ooh, this will be easier for us to go down this route, right? We need to optimize on what is in the best interest of our clients and their patients. That and uh, never say no to uh, sushi. <laughs> That's absolutely right. Like that one. Yeah. Yeah, you know, similarly for me, it was taking that step back and saying, hey, yeah, this this is great to have that external validate, validation from the get-go, but we really need to think seriously about what value we're providing to our clients and making sure that our clients are happy and satisfied and that we're taking care of all of their needs. Um, and that and that has to be first. And if you're if you're not sure. building a business around your clients' needs first, it's it's not going to work. So we had to take a step back and say, hey. We don't. We shouldn't be chasing funding. We shouldn't be chasing a raise at this point. We should be chasing what's the best business that we can possibly build. And now that we have our practices going live, now we'll go raise. Um, so <laughs> that that, that it, that's coming on the roadmap too. But um, I think as long as you think about your clients first, you think about the problem that you're trying to solve for first. Everything else will hopefully fall into uh, into place. Uh, but you got you got to work from your prior from those priorities as your foundation. One of the it. things I've heard in the past that always stuck with me is. You know, the best founders are the ones who are solving a problem that's really personal to them. And this is something that's really personal to us. Obviously, Ken, we're being a physician in me. I, I love helping other people be entrepreneurial and starting their own business. I'm the son of entrepreneurs. You know, that's how we came to this country, you know, when my parents moved here. So, you know, small business entrepreneurship has always been um, something I've been passionate about. I like it. So if people want to get in touch and learn more. What's the best way for them to, uh, to experience and get to know Shingle? Tryshingle.com. Tryshingle.com. Yeah, check out our landing page. You've got all of our contact information's up there. You can find Jay and I on LinkedIn as well. Message us directly. We're happy to reach out and talk to anyone that's interested. Very good. Very good. Well, transforming the future of the private practice. Jay and Ken War, pleasure to have you in the show. Thanks again. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Yeah, thanks for being on, guys. And for all you listening out there, thank you for uh, for joining us. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all our social medias, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at KPP Podcast. If you'd like to be on the show or know someone who would make a great guest, feel free to reach out. Hope to see you next time.